Hello, Cyclocross friends, and thanks for tuning in to a crossover event with our sister podcast, Grodio. It's been a while since we did a Grodio episode, and it's a podcast you guys may not even know that we do. It covers gravel racing predominantly in the United States. It features Zach, who covered gravel racing for Cyclocross Magazine for years, and also Amanda Nauman, who is a former DK champ and also a... A, I'm going to say it right here, part of the gravel glitterati. I think that was the term we used in the episode. You're going to have to listen to to make sure I got it right. Anyway, uh, if if you've already subscribed to Grodio, I apologize for the, the double post. If you haven't, check it out. It may be something that you want to add to your subscriptions and to your podcast queue. Elizabeth, Michael, Zach, and myself will be back next week. We have a lot to do uh, covering the Olympics and who's going to make teams and who's still undecided out there. We want to get to that. Plus, we have some Swiss Cup racing and other things in the mountain bike world that we're going to discuss and maybe even some cyclocross news as well. So stay tuned for that next week. This week, please enjoy episode 18 of Grodio. Hola, Grodio Amigo, and thanks for tuning in to episode 18 of the Grodio Podcast. It's been a minute, but we're back. We got gravel racing. It's happening, and we're here to cover it. Well, we're mainly talking about the Unbound Gravel Grinder. Is that right? Ugh. That's what's on tap for Amanda, Zach, and myself today. Uh, if you are new to Grodio, we are part of the Wide Angle Podium Podcast Network. You can find all of the shows on the network over at WideAnglePodium.com. We'd love for you to be a part of that network. You can become a member. You can subscribe to all the podcasts and help us continue to bring you content like this by signing up and donating to your favorite shows like Grodio. And, uh, yeah, we're going to continue to do this. We're, we're back on it. it. It was fun to chat with everyone, and we hope you enjoy it. Uh, you can get in touch with us at Grodio on Twitter, and then we do. We weren't sure. You'll hear at the end of this episode, we weren't sure if we actually had an email account. It's been that long. In fact, we do. It's Grodio at gmail.com. So get in touch with us there. All right. One quick note, when we recorded this, it was a couple days ago, so it was before Flow Bikes announced that they were televising Unbound Gravel, so just keep in mind, we didn't know what we now know then for this. Okay, let's get on with it. We're doing a quick race recap of what's already happened this season, and then jumping right into our Unbound Gravel preview with Zach. And with Amanda, it's episode 18 of Grodio, and we're doing that right now. I don't even know how do we even start. Do I do an, I usually do, I, I do an intro for the show, or do we just like jump in? We're, we're jumping in. We are back with episode 18 of Grodio. Sorry out there. Sorry, everybody, to be filling up your cue with too many Grodio episodes in a row. We're trying, we're trying to, we're trying to tamp it down a little bit, 
but we figured you'd want to know about Unbound. You want to know about everything that's going on in the, the gravel world. We got Amanda here. Amanda, just uh, quickly, how's, how's it going? Good, good, Bill. Happy to be here. Great, great. And, and I want to start with you, Zach, and I'm, I may be in trouble for asking this, but I think it's the elephant in the room and it needs to be asked. Zach, is gravel back? You know, Bill, uh, we, man, you just totally stole my, I knew, I knew where you were going and I'm not super excited about this, that, that you did that. So on the last episode, I don't know if it made in the final episode, but you, you, you took it, you know, you've been trying to get on, uh, trying to be the arbiter of backness, which I appreciate, you know, I appreciate the synergy and sharing in that. Um, but I felt like you, you kind of fell, fell a little flat with the Wout Van Aert one. I mean, I, I, he never really went anywhere, just had a little bit of surgery. Uh, so I was going to, I was going to offer up this one on a silver platter, a softball, a lob, uh, Bill is Grodio back. Grodio is back. Hey, all right, <laughs> let's do it. All right. We are, we are on our way. Where should we start? I got a crazy I got a crazy idea, Amanda. Should we start mm-hmm. with some racing that took place in Texas over the weekend? Wow, racing. No way. I can't, I'm I'm shocked it's back. <laughs> Everything's back. Rodeo's back, gravel's back. Uh, but it looks like we kind of had I, – I was thinking back to a few years ago where you did the Michigan cross the mitten coast to coast like two weeks before uh, the bike race formerly known as DK 200. Uh, and it seems like we kind of saw that over the weekend. We're getting like those uh, those openers before the tapers start. Um, it seems like we had a lot of hitters uh, down in Gravel Locos, a new race down in Texas. Yeah, Texas, uh, Arkansas, Colorado, Utah, that was a big one, and California. So, yeah, four big races over the weekend, all very different, which I thought was interesting. We have one that's 150 miles, very DK-esque. Rule of Three had a mix of, you know, all of the different kinds of gravel that we've talked about in racing, Gravel Locos was more of that wide open country road sort of style. And then the Huffmaster Hopper in California was very, very California, more of a, a road race with a little bit of dirt in there. <laughs> you know, it's funny. We uh, we were sharing uh, in the Slack channel what was going down with the rule of three, um, you know, for other things that are kind of going on in that region. Uh, and I was like, Holy, holy cow, this, this event looks amazing. And I bet it's the kind that you would like as well. It was part gravel, but like part single track. Like I kind of loved it. I saw like pace and ran 45 mil tires uh, for that one for the single track. So it wasn't just a little bit of single track. It seemed like it had a good, good amount of it. I kind of like the creativity. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And yeah, no surprise, Crystal Anthony and Sammy Runnels won two in the women's field, you know, with a little bit more single track and cyclocrossy conditions. That's there's no surprise there for me. <laughs> and hometown race for uh for Crystal. So nothing nothing better than being able to go oh, on for Sammy too. So both both of them with a lot of lot of local knowledge, I'm assuming, especially with uh with the technical course stuff that they probably had a little bit of an advantage of being out there and being able to race previously. Well, it's kind of an interesting split too. And, um, and we had some definite, I would say, you know, we're, I guess we decided that we were going to frame this, uh, the around, UG, the unbound 200 and kind of what it means in that context. So it's kind of interesting, the split in the field you had, uh, 
on the men's side, guys like Payson McIlvain, Ian Boswell, Josh Berry, Tristan Yule, Carter Decker, they opted to go for the rule of three. Uh, but then, you know, you have the other the other split. You have big names like Colin Strickland, uh, our noob, our grabble noob, uh, early favorite in the uh, Grody's Rookie of the Year, Lawrence Tendam, uh, Dylan Johnson, Pete Stetna, Ted King, Matt Stevens, a bunch of uh, folks who opted to go down to Texas, although I guess for some guys like Colin and Matt, it makes sense because they live there. So kind of an interesting interesting split, uh, kind of like in cyclocross when we had the, um, you know, the, kind of like the West Coast series and the East Coast series. Um, you know, we'll see probably some podium contenders from both of those. So Payson, though, took the win uh, down in Arkansas. So I know he's a guy who's been in the top five at DK and definitely will be looking uh, to represent, improve on that here this year. So anything from the the Arkansas races, Mano, that like stick out to you result-wise? No, like I said, Crystal Anthony and Sammy Reynolds doing well. I was happy to see, although neither of them, as I could tell, are registered for Unbound. Um, so kind of a bummer, but I'm sure they're probably doing their own things in regards to that race. Um, but like you mentioned about Gravel Locos having this very surprisingly deep field, I don't know the story behind it other than the race was free to register, but it was like a fundraiser for their fire department, if I'm not mistaken. And so the strategy for that event I found very interesting because they basically paid a bunch of pros to show up um, and at the same time didn't charge for registration. So the the strategy there I was kind of confused by, but that I know is why that field looks so uh dazzling i guess is <laughs> because they they made that top 10 in both the women's and the men's side pretty stacked with the hope that it would get a lot of people to sign up and donate money towards this thing so i hope it worked out and i hope that they raised a bunch of money towards that good cause but it was a very interesting strategy i think to also get all those people put up and ready to race a couple weeks before unbound it's interesting you bring that up, uh, and that's a great point. Um, I think someone had called, had called, referred to some of the people as the gravel glitterati, which I thought was very interesting. But now that you mention that, you know, I saw on Instagram. I guess everyone was taking like the same picture of the, you know, from before the event and stuff, and so it makes sense that you know those athletes were active on on social media. Um, you know, I guess, you know, what are your thoughts seeing the, the idea that we have gravel glitterati? Has it become that? Has it become because of the privateer model, you know, because of the way that these athletes are, you know, there's a lot of attention on it and athletes are finding a way to make a living off it that we are seeing, you know, that social component be, it's like, you have to be a social star and, uh, um, you know, and a good bike racer at the same time. It kind of is gravel influencing, yeah, it is, especially like the vegan cyclist was there, so and Dylan Johnson, so they got their YouTube stars checked off on that list. <laughs> but yeah, I, th- I thought it was interesting, especially like I said, because they didn't charge for everybody else to sign up. So it really was this big push to have a bunch of big names, stoke people out, and get them to donate to this cause, which is not necessarily the bike race, but towards something else, which I thought was cool. Um, but yeah, I think this is going to continue happening. This is what SBT did in their first year. They 
paid a bunch of pros to show up and kind of have that big presence and make it something that was established and known. And that's probably a model that we're going to see going forward of, of a way to get a, a race's name out there, especially a first year one. Like all of the events I think we have just talked about besides Grasshopper, this is a first year event, which is crazy to think about. It's, it feels like something that's been established before um, that maybe has a record of you know, people have a feel for the event and stuff, but we're talking about things that had never existed before. So it's obviously working. <laughs> I, I have a question, Amanda, after, you know, we're on this subject, after looking at your social media today, would, would you call yourself a gravel gritterati? Huh, yes. <laughs> Slam dunk. Nice one. <laughs> Guys, we, yes, we are, you know what? It, we might, we might've had, it might've been a while. But our our pun game is is strong so far. I think we're doing good. We're, you know, we're we're Christian Meyer blasting off the front at uh, DK two hundred in twenty nineteen. We're we're way out there at the first checkpoint. So we're doing good. Oh yeah, oh yeah, um, yeah. So the next one I I want to briefly mention is that Grasshopper event, the Huffmaster Hopper. Um, in the women's field specifically, the top two women were Maude Farrell and Mar- Mariah Wilson. And these are two names that I've noticed a lot more in the past year. Um, some, A couple events that happened towards the end of the pandemic, uh, their names were up there. Mariah had the White Rim FKT for a while until Alexis Scarta took it back in November. Obviously, Katarina Nash is in fourth. We know her and Amity Rockwell in sixth. So the women's field, I think, was really impressive at this event. There's a lot of new California heavy hitters, which I find um, fun and interesting. But I believe Mariah Wilson of her and Maude are the only she's the only one going to unbound. But I'm pretty stoked to see how she does there. Yeah, I was. I wanted. To, I noticed that. And I wanted to ask you uh, about that. I mean, we'll get to it um, when we talk about the women's field. But you know, I saw that Mariah is, is registered. And knowing what you know about California Gervel, you look at some of the women that she beat, including our defending UG uh, two hundred champion Emily Rockwell. You know, finished ahead of Katarina Nash, who's coming back from a broken collarbone. Like, do you get confidence from that? You know, do you think there's enough? You know, corresponding in terms of how these California events work, because we've talked a lot about how they're different. Like, do you, do you draw confidence from that? Do you line up then saying, Hey, uh, I can do this. Or is it so much of a different beast with like, you know, climbing and technical terrain and stuff like that, that you're still kind of like, yeah, no, that's a good point. I think like Mariah, for example, uh, won rock cobbler this year in February. And she was like maybe 12th overall, like she did really well just overall in the field. And I think that that, event shows me that she's very good technically which might not necessarily translate to kansas so maybe she has really good technical skills and handling but can she just like put down the power for 10 hours like amity obviously can we will see but yes very different beasts Uh, one other thing that I wanted to touch on before this, and I'm not sure you know the role if we'll talk about him during UG, but our guy, Lancey Pants, Lance Haydet, he's on Legion. Is he the new Lachlan Morton? I feel like we're just, Lance, Lance Haydet's doing everything but racing for road races for Legion. I mean, he's out here jumping off rocks. He's racing on Zwift. He's, you know, doing gravel. I, I, I love it. I love it that Legion has found their Lachlan Morton. Their Lachlan, yes. 
Yes, Lancey Pants is the Lachlan of Legion, for sure. Um, I'm sure Tyler Williams is a great guy and racer, but I was just excited to see Lance racing and get fifth. Uh, nice little cyclocross crossover there. Um, but my my big crazy person I wanted to talk about in that event was Jonathan Baker, who finished eighth. He's like old school. David remembers him racing cross from back in the day. Just strong crazy diesel engine he i think won that oregon race that becca did he won rock cobbler in february he finished third at mid-south in 2020 Uh, he's like in his mid-40s he's just got this crazy strength and i'm fascinated to see how he does it unbound because he just has the ability to suffer like i've never seen before Speaking of uh, other riders, I think that I think this one is in their forties. But uh, yes, Bill. Oh no, I was just going to throw in there uh, Jonathan Baker, cyclocross national champion. For, yes. Uh, Did he win? He, was he the one who won at um, in Lakewood? Yes. Yeah. Forty-five. Okay. Forty-nine. Yeah. So he was the he was the uh, Meyerson Slayer. Right. That was uh, he oh, had ended yeah. Meyerson's two-year run i think so yeah he was the the one that ended myerson and took away that's right. his uh dual pan ams american champ jersey well and then it from but, his and, hands. and he he was he got the uh the double championship because he was the road 44 45 49 road masters champion the same year as well so he's he's coming in here with some some good street and dirt cred Awesome. Uh, I think another so to another one that we'd it would we'd be remiss if we didn't mention going back to that uh, Gravel Locos. Um, we have we have another World Tour rider, but we have a uh, the rookie the first in the rookie of the year, former World Tour rider. He's not even American. Uh, Lawrence Ten Dam is starting the Dutch and the Dutch are just are. Yeah, they're Bill. They're taking over American. They're taking over our our cycling now. No, they they just yes. they couldn't they couldn't live with just having every other discipline. They they got <laughs> they got to come for uh for gravel too. I mean, what do you guys make of this? I you know there was this interview uh, that Wout had done, and he hinted that we'll be seeing him when he's forty uh, and washed up. That he wants to come do an American a season of American Gervel. Uh, you know, what do you guys make of this? I, I don't know. I, I think it's neat to see. I mean, if you can still race your bike and you're still that strong and, you know, come to America and experience something totally different, I think it's pretty neat. It's also, it's it's one thing when you're seeing World Tour riders who are coming over and doing this. But Lawrence Sendam was like legit World Tour, I think top 10 in the Tour de France, years of just grinding it out. I mean, that's a... I think that's a different level of skill set than maybe some of the other world tour riders we've had. And, and it looks like it was, you know, he won a boot and said it was the, the best, uh, best trophy he's ever won. So who knows? Bill. Yes. Is American Gravel the MLS? I, you, I was about to bring racing. up Pele in this, although even that was, that was the NASL. So that was uh, years before. But I, well, think- I was thinking of when Beckham came over and uh, Ibrahimovic, you know, I mean, well, he was still good. <laughs> he hated it here, but I think this is I love this model. Like, yeah. you know, the MLS model is they got a one-time one player exemption to pay as much money as they wanted to get a washed up European player uh to come over in their 30s, live the high life, you know, playing in the MLS in front of 400 fans. I love it. I th- I I think we should do this. I think this should be like every team that has a gravel program should have the Euro Pro exemption. Bend it like 10 damn. <laughs> 
So, Amanda, we covered we covered preseason a little short of a preseason. We covered it. Uh, should we should we get on to talking about about the big one that's coming up? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Unbound. We we have. Did we talk about the name change? I don't even remember if we talked about the name change. I don't think we did last year. I think we. But I think we punted on that. I think we were discussing other things that were were going on. Yeah, it's crazy. It's here back in January, I believe, was when they did the lottery registration. So for those people that decided to defer from 2020, they had the option to push their registration to 2021 or 2022. So if you didn't want to gamble it for this year without kind of knowing what was going to happen with COVID, you could have pushed it to the following year. So because of that, we have this interesting mix, I think, for this field in 2021 of people who, one, took the chance and said, yeah, hopefully the event happens. I'm going to go for it. Plus all of the sponsor entries of people who were able to jump in because they had sponsors with entry spots. And I'm talking more specifically for the elite field. And so we have this interesting mix of a bunch of noobs, a bunch of returning, a lot of gravel legends, like people who focus on gravel, but also a very wide range of mountain bikers, cyclocross racers, and pure roadies. (laughs) So it's an interesting field this year. Before we get to the field, I want to ask you a question. So we saw, you know, if we look back at the, (laughs) the, the official national calendar that we created that saw all of, Mm -hmm. I think, one race be raced in 2020 before the pandemic started. Uh, We saw where Mid-South made the decision. So that's mid-March. They didn't do their race. Um, Barry Roubaix, late April, didn't do their race. Belgian Waffle, early May, didn't do their race. And so then it came to Unbound was kind of on that. I think we were all saying, all right, like June is going to be like, don't even think about scheduling an event before June, but June is going to be like 50-50. Uh, so you, you know, you were, you've, you're making the jump, you're doing the Axel. What was your thought process and what were you looking for with that uncertainty or were you, you know, did you approach this with the assert- certainty that it was going to happen? I had a conversation with Leland in April of last year, back before they had decided to cancel all of what was Dirty Kansas at the time. And he told me that what he wanted to push for was running just XL, like cancel all the other events. He said, you know, people can show up and do XL, social distance, maybe that could happen. And so because of that, knowing, you know, fast forward a year later, if something like that was to stumble along again, they didn't want to bring 2000 people there who were going to do the 200. My thought process was, well, maybe they'll just run the XL like they were wanting to do the year before. So, yeah, I rolled the dice on that. David and I deferred our entries to 2021 and we're driving because at the time I didn't want to fly. I still don't really want to fly. So, we, yeah, we're driving out there probably Sunday night. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I had heard rumblings that maybe it would get pushed, um, but it seems like there's just been this rapid pace, especially with the the vaccine and stuff. And it seems yeah. like things are safe. I mean, I know I personally was I've been locked in my apartment for 14 months. and Like I went to the gym the other day. So I think like people oh. are really quickly just accepting that, like, you know, the risk is going down, especially if you've had both the vaccines or the one for the Johnson Johnson and it seemed like to me, when they went ahead with it, being on, I would say definitely being on the cautious side, I was just like, oh, this makes sense. Plus, 
you know, the, they've shown, they found that like the outdoor transmission is basically zero. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'm sure, you know, even with whatever the social distancing will look like at the end, like they've just, there's been no science to show that there's transmission in that setting and you just have everything going in the right direction at a very rapid pace. So I don't know, like when my buddy asked me, so I'm going to be support crew this year for some uh, folks from, from Wisconsin. I was just like, I didn't even hesitate. I was like, yeah, I can totally do that and not feel you know, any risk or whatever. So, um, I don't know. I think they actually made the right decision. Yeah, absolutely. Especially in terms of the sponsors and the expo, you know, I'm sure they were chewing on their fingernails for a really long time up until maybe a month ago, you know, waiting to see like the vaccination rate in Emporia, how many people were still, you know, committed to coming and doing this thing. So, now that we're here at the end of May, I think everybody's pretty gung-ho about it and excited to get back. I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm still nervous about two, 3,000 people going to a rural city in Kansas. Like, there's there's no doubt that's still a little bit cringy um, at this time. But, you know, California is going to open back up completely in three weeks, and we'll, we'll see. But I think a lot of us still have a little bit of PTSD in terms of that large of a group setting. How many miles is the XL? 350. 350. I may have said 300 before, so I apologize for cheating you out of that extra 50. Oh, it's okay. Here, here's, I don't want to do the extra here, 50. <laughs> it's not an extra 50. An extra 50 would be 400. So you only have to do 350. But that way. Yeah. Uh, in your training, here's my super noob question. What's the, what's the longest ride you've done to prepare? I did... 170 on Tuesday this past week. Did you follow that up with like another long ride? I'm sorry to get into training talk, Zach, but I did, this, is, this stuff fascinates me. Uh, yeah. So I truthfully, the training that I've done for the past few months is no crazy different than I would have done for 200, but I've done it at different times of the day. So I've like started in late afternoon and ridden into the night to see how that feels and make sure my lights are all good and stuff. But yeah, last week I did a big bike packing ride. Um, the first day was about 85 miles and busted out my camping stuff, slept in the middle of nowhere, and then did 90-something the next day. And that second day was about 17 and a half hours of pedaling at five miles per hour. So it took me forever. And it was really just to test myself mentally, make sure I could finish this stupid thing in Kansas and see what my body does at that point in time. So is there any any napping involved in this, or is it just you're just like straight through? It is straight through, and that's kind of the the kicker in this event is that at that distance, it's right at the cusp of like sleep deprivation because you should be sleeping sometime in between that, but the whole point of the event is just to go through it as quickly as possible. So if you're Jake Wells, yeah, you take a nap on the side of a gas station because you're ruined, right. but <laughs> you're technically, you're supposed to keep going. Okay. Thank you. Back at it, Zach. Mm-hmm. I have a question about that that I've been wondering. So on race day... How are you going to approach your your sleep schedule? Uh, you know, because it seems like maybe you could trick yourself kind of doing like what you do when you go to Europe for the reverse jet lag to try to get where you're waking up at noon, one, two. Uh, are you going to do some sort of sleep change? Because, you know, if you wake up at a typical, let's say, 8 a.m., like <laughs> if you can cheat that and move those hours of sleep the other way, it seems like that might help you uh, come 3 p.m. on Saturday. 
Yeah, and that's like we've, David and I have been going to bed really late and waking up really late recently. Um, but I think that week leading up to it, since we are driving, we're also going to drive at weird times and get places late and then go to sleep at like 1, 2 a.m. and kind of start shifting that a little bit. So, yeah, I'm definitely no expert in the sleep realm and I'm just kind of winging it. So <laughs> we'll see if it works. So we love coming. We're, we're here, ultimately, we're here for the bike racing and to, to make prognostications and preview this race, right? That's what we do here at the Grodio. I think, since we're on the topic of the 350, the XL, I think that's where we should start. I think we've got a titanic, colossal battle in the women's race shaping up here. We have the defending champion, uh, ultra-distance, like, rock star, superstar, uh, Lael Wilcox in the field, and we have like the Queen of Kansas, uh, Amanda Nauman. Uh, I guess I'll be the Queen of Bug now. Sorry, I have to get used to that. The Queen of Kansas. Uh, I'm excited. Uh, how are you? Uh, you told me that like when you saw she was registered, you were a little, a little nervous, taken aback. You know, what are you? What are you expecting? And what are your feelings going up against? I mean, she's pretty like legendary in the in the field of ultra endurance biking. Yeah, absolutely. I'm super nervous. I've watched so many of her videos. I think she's a huge inspiration. The Her ability to just keep going is commendable. However, at 350 miles, it is still at that in that realm of like, you aren't breaking out camp and trying to sleep and figuring out the logistics of that. It's still very much a straight through effort. And I think that I still have a little bit of an advantage there. Not advantage, but I'm not at a disadvantage. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I'm excited to see how that that goes down. I mean, I am so enamored by her and her ability to keep going. Like when I did this bikepacking thing this past week, the whole time I was just thinking to myself, how do people do this? Not just for multiple days, but for weeks. For for weeks she does this, like over and over. And on the second day I was done. (laughs) So, um, yeah, I'm stoked to see how it goes down. Yeah, no, it's, uh, I mean, it was neat to see that she, you know, that she brought her her star power um, to the event in 2019. And I guess it kind of made sense that that she would do that. Uh, on the men's side, we have the returning champ from 2019, Jay Petterberry. Uh, and an interesting, interesting entry in this. We have a former, another former fellow DK200 winner taking the plunge. Matt Stevens. Were you surprised? I'm surprised to see that. Were you surprised by that? I mean, had you heard any of the scuttlebutt? Had he indicated to you that he was interested? You know, what were you hearing? I'm, I found this interesting when I saw his name, when I was scanning through the 200 and I was like, where's Matt Stevens at? Yeah. Yeah. No, me too. He is like on his own privateer program this year. Uh, somebody from Emporia told me last week, hey, did you see Matt Stevens is registered for the XL? And I said, no, <laughs> because I know he's going to make the pace way too high in the beginning and it's all going to be him. I know it. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I'm excited to see how that men's race plays out. But am I excited for um, the necessary pace that might be happening in the beginning? I am not. But there's also Corey Godfrey, who is the 2010 champion. So there's two former 200 champions in that field. That is a good point. Thank you for correcting me. I'm in, in recent <laughs> history, but yes, I've seen the trophy. I've stayed at his house. Yeah. I've seen the trophy. It was cool to, to get to see that. Uh, so that was, that was pretty neat. Uh, so we, 
Bill, you have a theory on the 100. Yeah, so who who were the you you had this list of names of of who was opting out of the traditional marquee event, <laughs> the 200, right? That's the that's the one that you go for. Yeah, it, that was the only one there was, right? Years ago, it was just that category, I believe. Yes. Yeah, and then they yeah. added, you know, 100. Is there is there even less than 100 at this point or is there's like a 50 all the way down to 25? Down to it's 25. for everyone. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah they do a great, great job. I think we've talked about this on the Grodio that, you know, they've done a great job making it, you know, an event for literally everyone as long as you can do like, you know, a 25-mile bike ride. So, really kudos to the organizers for all the work that they've done on that front. Right. And then on the other end, you have like idiots like Amanda who are out there trying to race 350 <laughs> miles idiot in the best way possible yes uh and but you were going through and are in the green room the names that of the people who were in the 100 mile race which you would think is like the the the, the primer race the let me see if i like this and then i'll do the real race the next year and we got some hitters can I jump in here? Yes. So I felt like, uh, you know, my inclination, especially seeing some of these names, I would call it the, I called it more of a, a list of shame. Uh, I think some of, you know, these riders are accomplished athletes who should be taking on the ultimate, the ultimate challenge of the 200. But Bill, you might have a different theory. I'm interested in hearing this. My theory is that, well, we have TV coverage of this, right? And they're, they're covering the 200 and which is, Great. I'm assuming they're covering everything, but that was supposed to be. Wait, there's there's TV coverage. Isn't there? Bill, did you read this in Cyclocross Magazine? Yeah. On April oh 1st? wait, was that an April Fool's? Did I get that wrong? Yeah. Oh, yeah. But you could man. be thinking of uh, Sabbat Gervel, actually. Your your boy Sabbat Gervel is actually going to have a uh, TV coverage. So okay. you might also have been jumping ahead to August. I got so. the wrong race. There's going to be TV coverage in the future. Why is there going to be TV coverage in the future, Zach? Because they're going to Red Bull the shit out of unbound gravel. And 200 miles, that's way too long to cover. 100 miles, that is perfect. Heck, we may even be down to 75 miles by the time that we have every world tour contender over here. Sort of in the, you know, the, the, the build-up to the Tour de France. You're going to come to America, you're going to do unbound, and then you're going to just jump back over and into the tour. This is it. This is the 100 is going to overtake the 200 as the premier of gravel event in Kansas, and it's going to be on Red Bull TV. So I think you're, you're definitely ahead. So like Colin Strickland set the record. I think he averaged either at or over 20 miles an hour. Uh, you know, for 200. So like, let's say that you let everyone get the, the idea that they're racing 100. So like, let's up that 22, 23 miles an hour of just like, you know, men and women just throwing haymakers at each other. I mean, you're looking at like barely a four hour broadcast. Yeah. I mean, you could put that in pro- like, you're not even like, this isn't even my joke coverage where it's all day. Like you could just make, you could like broadcast bike racing again. Yeah, and and what else will happen that at, I know when you were out there covering it for Cyclocross magazine in years past, and I've heard this from other photographers. There, there is there is a tent, and Amanda, I'm sure you can talk to this. That in the in the past, there is much like the rest of the event where it's supposed to be a people powered event. It's supposed to be a participatory event. You know, you can go as fast as you want, but it's just the doing of it. Where now it's turning into a production. It's turn, turning into coverage. What we saw in races like Strada Bianca, even the Giro a couple days ago when it's in the gravel, all the motos, all the cars are right in the rider's face. 
Like, and that's not coverage that we've seen in Kansas before. You usually like to keep the distance so you're not having these huge dust clouds and, you know, pissing off people racing. Once it becomes professional racing, that's kind of what you sign up for. And then I think the level of coverage is, is raised as well once that, once that barrier is, is, is done away with. So there's going to be really big competition then. Uh, so there's the local Jeep club takes photographers around, and I think they still do a good job of not. There's going to be like competition to be in the the Jeep. Like that, they're going to be dishing out. That's going to be like red bib, yellow bib. Oh yeah. You know, I think there's going to be competition to to score those red bibs and be in the the you know the premier photo group to be on the 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 photo moto. I mean. I don't know. I I mean, it, it certainly seems that like although we're we're saying this somewhat tongue in cheek, I think. You know, it'd be interesting to see what happens with Sabbath Gerville going to, you know, doing video production. But, you know, if you if this becomes viable, if you see, you know, we have uh, two former uh, Dutch World Tour pros who are coming. Uh, it seems like, you know, we've seen the media coverage. We're talking about how, you know, Cycling News has Gerville Corner and like they're doing legit race reporting on these races. Like, I don't know. It just seems like it's not it's not far fetched to to imagine this world. True. So do you think that these people signed up for the hundred are being babies or are they ahead of the curve? Where do we think? I mean, I know where I I think I know where Bill would come down. I still think like, (laughs) I'm just going to like, all right, we're going there. You know what? I decided like, I'm not a gravel journalist anymore. I'm just a guy on a podcast. First, my boy, Stephen Hyde, Stephen Hyde, right? Gets, yeah. He's on a gravel team. Like his team is literally made to like do gravel. Signs up for the one hundred. What's up with that? Wah, wah. <laughs> you probably heard from Michael Vandenham, Drew Dillman, all these people who have done this event who also race cross and finish it and say that was way too hard. I was wrecked for way too long. That was a mistake. So maybe he's just scared. But Curtis White is registered for the two hundred. So. Shots fired. My guy. My guy. <laughs> hey, I said, you know what? I go back to the Grodies. I, I said he was my pick. You know what? Both of my picks. Screw it. The Grodies, two people who should be racing more Gervil. They're both doing it. Becca Farringer, Curtis White. They're taking the plunge. I love it. From from your ears uh, to the start list. The other rider, you know what? I'm, and I... I'm going to call her out. Lauren Stevens has been absolutely killing it. Like she finished second in the 100 to another person, Ashton Lambie. So I, I don't know what his deal. Cause he's just like setting world records and you know, I'm not going to argue with <laughs> just some guy with a mustache. Yeah. You know, doing track stuff, but like, uh, Lauren finished second to him. She came within so close to winning, uh, crusher. Uh, didn't she finish second at Sabbath Gerville too? She was up Maybe. there. I mean, she's a star. Like, she's a gravel star. She would be probably my pick to win the 200 if she were doing it, but she's doing the 100 again. So, I don't know. Um, I, I think she's a ginger, too. Why are the, what are the gingers doing? <laughs> we all turn our eyes to Mateo Jorgensen. That's all I've got. All right. So, we also got Tinker Juarez <laughs> doing the 100. I'm giving him a pass. Why? No. I don't know. He's like he's the ultimate, everything. ultimate ultra endurance man, and he signed up for the hundred. Okay, Come on, Tinker. I my pass. David Miller. David Miller. We haven't talked about Thomas Decker yet, but we also got David Miller. 
What is this saying mm-hmm. about about the gravel field as well? Or is, is this just now? Is now this the the home of of former doping um, road I cyclists? Yes. Okay, so I I went back into the rider's guide because I wanted to see what the stance was on here. Because I know in the past, Lance Armstrong had mentioned wanting to race DK, and the answer was no. But I guess the answer was no because he's currently serving something that says he can never again. But I guess if you've already served and you are no longer in that serving you're allowed to race? I, I didn't I didn't know that was a thing, but apparently in the rider's guide it says only if you are currently serving some sort of doping sanctioning. Yeah. And I guess Thomas Thomas Decker has only been very, very close to doping without any um consequence. <laughs> Well, we no, we talked about this on the. I, we may have talked about this with respect to Sabbath Gerville, and I think different races are taking different approaches. And so their approach was that as long as you're not serving, because who's the Tom Danielson was in that one. Uh, whereas my favorite race, Gravel Worlds, go throwing it back to Corey uh, Godfrey. They just, I don't think they'll let you race. Like their rule is, if you've ever been popped for doping like just don't even bother coming to gravel worlds um but you know they're more of a grassroots race sabbat gerbil is the big time ug is the big time so just interesting to see kind of uh the different uh approaches every time we say every time we say ug i just look at amanda's face and i feel like she's giving us she's giving us a fetch she's she's trying to mean girl (laughs) us out of this uh that yeah, I've made it. I, I say UG more than I say Gervil. Like, I actually am more prone to say gravel now than I am to say UG. I don't know if I've ever even called it unbound. It's just. It's you UG. can't, you can't, you <laughs> cannot argue with a one syllable name. It's unbound true, gravel is a mouthful. UG. So before we get to the 200, I wanted to, uh, the, the way that gravel is going, I think it's so new and we've seen where people love controversy, like people just eat gravel controversy up and we've seen it time and again. So I think we need to do the, uh, call it, let's call it the spirit of gravel corner. Uh, are we, Bill, are we allowed to do corners or are corners like a proprietary, uh, intellectual property of the slow ride? Oh, from everything that the slow ride takes from, a. The media pit. I think. I think it's only fair that we uh, return the favor. Okay. All right. So we're going to do the spirit of gravel corner. So our guy, the number one, the agent provocateur of gravel racing, Jeff Kabush, actually had an interesting tweet uh, over the weekend. And Amanda, I guess maybe I'll leave it to you to fill in uh, who he was subtweeting here. Uh, but he was talking about attacking at feed zone so in in gravel it's not per se a feed zone it's kind of like your support or you know you have different things going on you might have to like get a sticker on your nameplate or whatever uh you know what was your reaction to that i thought it was kind of interesting because it is like you know say you come to the checkpoint and sometimes people leave a little bit quicker than others you know is there an obligation to wait for your group is it you know every every person for themselves what is your what has been your experience with the uh the feed zones that was interesting. I did not see this kabush tweet, so I just pulled it up. Um, yeah, I don't know. This is interesting. I Tinkerwara's one rock cobbler in 2019, I believe, maybe 2020, from a feed zone attack, and the racers were not happy about that. So I think there is a bit of, um, yeah, it goes back to, I've been called gravel police before, but the unwritten rules that just keep, you know, maybe 
bubbling at the surface, and it's times like this where if Jeff Kabush brings it up, then it becomes something controversial. But I did not see the story, and I don't know who is he subtweeting. Well, I, I guess I'm guessing. I mean, just like let's be honest, like the way that it, it's working is probably going to be a man, just because of mm-hmm. the pack dynamic at the front. So he's subtweeting Payson or Lawrence Tendam or Matt Acker or who won the other race. But he says in Kansas. Well, he said that he heard oh, rumblings of it occurring no, oh. over the weekend, but he's seen it in Kansas. Oh, oh, I Kansas. bet it was. I bet it was Matt Stevens during the Great Aero Bar, Aero Bar stand up. No, I'm can just we, kidding. I'm just kidding. Can we, can, we, can we sort of spell out exactly what he was saying? Because I think there is there is a point here. He's saying that riders who have more resources and are able to have follow vehicles are able to get more support and support handed to them. So they have the people out there waiting for them, able to hand up bottles, what food, whatever they need right to them. It makes it easier to be able to attack through that as opposed to other riders who may still have to treat it like an old fashioned aid station and get off their bike and find Mm -hmm. their stuff and, and refuel and get back on there. And then it becomes this inequity that if it was, if it was truly like, you know, a professional road race and the, the riders were like, well, screw you guys, we're just going and everybody's on an equal footing, that's one thing. But it's when everybody doesn't have equal resources, I think that was part of his point, too, that then that's not that's not really fair to the to the field. Yeah. And I kind of wonder if it was depending every race does it differently. So, you know, for I like how the unbound gravel grinder I got a smile out of Amanda. All right. Yeah. (laughs) That's what I was looking for. Uh, Unbound. You know, I like that they say you can only get help at these specific locations. But even, you know, within that, I think when it comes to the elites, I think a lot of them do have good support, though. And so they are set up that way. But interesting uh, to me was doing a story about the former Panaracer team and watching them at the checkpoints. They actually do uh, their top riders all do musette bags at the first checkpoint. And so they were just kind of taking a hit in terms of not stopping and, you know, running the risk that they can keep going of just it literally was like a world tour feeds. Like they just pulled through and took their, you know, whereas other riders will stop. There's some racers like, uh, I've heard of one where you have to like get stickers and put them on your number plate, like gravel worlds. You have to get pipe cleaners and it's hilarious at the first stop. Everyone's like scrambling to like try to get the, the pipe cleaner, you know, so that creates a little bit more parody, I think in terms of it. Um, but yeah, definitely, uh, interesting. And I've always kind of wondered about that, you know, how, like how much obligation is there for you to get through your checkpoint really quick and wait, do you slow pedal or whatever, um, you know, or is it cutthroat and can you, you plan to, to, you know, get your feeds without stopping? Yeah, I think it's, we're at the point in gravel racing, quote unquote, now that I do think the bike racer mentality of being selfish and taking every advantage that they can get will obviously rise to the surface, which is, I think, what he's kind of getting at here. And it makes me think of in Mid-South 2020, before we lined up in the rain that morning, there was a team that was on rollers in vans warming up before this event. And I thought how silly that was. And I and it, I was like, this can't happen in gravel. <laughs> and I think that that's uh, kind of the same sentiment here is that 
you know, at what point are you taking this too seriously? But on the other side of that, the way we do the coverage and talk about these people and the accolades that come with doing well, you can't blame them for wanting to do that and take every advantage they can. So it's a double-edged sword, I think, that we're dealing with right now. People are going to keep doing it. People are going to keep complaining about it. But, you know, if they get ahead that way... Who's to say that that's wrong? Right. I mean, haven't you even seen, seen that in your own racing where you're, where, you're, where you're looking at sponsors and you're uh, going through your calendar and everybody's eyes get really wide and they're very excited about all the gravel racing and adventure stuff you're doing. And then you talk about cyclocross and their eyes just sort of glaze over and they don't want to hear about it. I mean, isn't that's gravel is kind of the big shiny object in the room right now. That's what everybody wants to support and get behind. So you're you're that's from that you're going to get people who are going to want to show themselves as as good gravel racers i think that yeah for better or for worse it's that's what's going to happen but without that are are we doing are we even doing what we're doing now i mean i I know that for the three of us at least part of it is we like racing and this is turning into to racing right i mean so i don't know Mm -hmm. unless you want to again the whole this whole gravel thing where it's like oh these there aren't real rules here everything's unwritten do you need real rules then oh, uh, rules <laughs> i hope not <laughs> well I, you you make a good amanda made a, a good point though i mean colin strickland got offered a world tour contract like yeah. that's a dream for some of these athletes to be like if i win and this idea of the spirit of gravel or whatever it's like really hard to to enforce. And I I think it's easier for, you know, people like Ted King, who doesn't, I mean, he, Ted King's gonna be fine. Like, you know, Alison Tetrick, I think that she does great, you know, marketing herself. Uh, But if you're on the margins, if you're looking to break through and you look at this race, it can be like life changing. Yeah, absolutely. Which is, yeah, why I said, you know, you can't fault somebody for wanting to take every advantage possible. But Attacking in a feed zone. I saw one person replied to Kabush and said, no respected world tour rider would attack through a feed zone. (laughs) So, I mean, it narrows down your people from there. Um, But yeah, no, that's interesting. I love a little controversy. Wish he had uh, actually called somebody out. That seems to be more of Kabush's MO. But um, yeah, he's not racing the 200 this year. So maybe he'll just be spilling beef from the sidelines on Twitter. We can only hope so. Yes. So exactly. I've got I got another juicy bit, and uh, our buddy Tim at uh, Slow Ride has this been given on us to to get Grodio to do the dirt, and we're gonna we're gonna do it. So I heard a rumor uh, that there was a, and this kind of like dates back to a race that happened a few years ago. But there's a rumor that there was a woman who offered a man a thousand dollars or some number uh, to be their pace partner. But they only get paid if that person wins. I'm not surprised. I mean, like, especially if it's someone that, like, you don't necessarily have a known connection to. Like, you could play that off pretty easily, do the pace partner. And I I mean, I guess this fits the similar to what we're talking about, about tacking at feed zones. Like... Do you say this is not from this year? This is like a previous year? No, no, no. The offer was for this year. I'm saying that a certain oh. race that occurred a few years ago had uh, this issue kind of bubbled to the oh, top. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yes, it did. Yes, it did. Um, yes, I'm all too familiar with this uh, quote-unquote issue, for, especially for the women's field. Um, I get asked quite a bit what I think about it, and 
I've always said, you know, the women's race has a natural selection that you end up with a bunch of guys that you're riding around that just happens. You know, I, I don't know if I've ever told this story, but the first year that Payson tried to race DK, he didn't finish. Um, he was having tire troubles and he had fallen back and he comes into the group that I'm in. He said, he's like, you know, I'm not racing this thing anymore. Do you want me to just like pull you? Like he just like offered his services to ride me up as far as I could and I was like, no, no, get get away. No, <laughs> I can't. That's not the point of this. Like, I specifically said that to him, like, thanks, but no thanks. That's not going to happen. Um, and he was still very obviously new to gravel at the time. So maybe he just didn't get it yet. Or maybe he was ahead of his time. May- maybe. He's just, <laughs> God, I hope not. Um, yeah, so if that's the case, if somebody wants to win that badly that, you know, they're going to pay somebody to pull them through, um, that's, that's how you win. Honestly, like good for you. That's, that's the golden ticket. Are you going to be liked for it? Probably not. But if it means that much to you, nobody's telling you, you can't, we're just all going to give you shit on Twitter. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I think like, obviously the, it, like, it, it, even if it's in theory, like the offering of money versus I think, you know, I, I think I can think of more than one case where it's been like a significant other or whatever might've been involved with this. And even you had some controversy, uh, with that, with, with Dave. Um, but yeah, I mean, I can see like, let's say like, I'm just like, let's say you're, you're a man and let's say your ceiling is like top 15, 20, right? Like, yeah, that's great. But like, there's a certain level of like, Oh, it'd be really of accomplishment if like you were to help the women's champion you know like i mean shit i made this like my ex-girlfriend i was like do you want to do you need me to pull for you at a gravel event like (laughs) i will gladly just sit on the front and like you hop on and i'll drag you you know because like i would get some level of achievement that i'm not going to get because i'm not going to win a men's race and so i guess i could almost see where it's like this mutually beneficial thing and um, you know, I just kind of wonder if, if, if this will occur and it, again, it seems like we still have not sorted out the spirit of gravel and is this allowed, you know, it still seems like, and then you get to the gray areas where Payson's like, well, my race is over, but Hey, I like Amanda. Yeah. I'll do her salad. <laughs> exactly. I, you know, yeah. and like, and then if you're that guy, like you're, you're feeling a sense of purpose. Like I've been there, you know, you're, you're doing work. You're just, you know, you're, you're contributing to the cause of trying to win this bike race. And so I guess I kind of get it. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, if you look at the women's race, for example, in the 100, Emily Newsom and Lauren Stevens are both on the team Tibco, whatever team. Obviously, they're going to race together, right? And so that's also another evolution here is these women's teams that are going to come in and they're obviously going to be working together. That's not something we've really seen to such an extent before. But even if you look at the women's field in the 200, you know, there you could see some alliances formed there um, that we haven't really seen before. So it's going to be interesting guys helping girls. Yes. A little bit controversial girls helping girls. Maybe that elevates the field a little bit and makes the racing totally different. So we'll see. Well, and I think there was like, it was like the boogeyman. It's like the world tour is coming to the, you know, and everyone's like, there's going to be team tactics. And then Colin Strickland was just like, I'm going to Colin Strickland you and screw your team tactics. But I think you're right. I mean, I think we saw at Sabbath, Gerville, if I'm not mistaken, it was two Tipco riders at the front. I'm pretty sure Lauren Stevens. Anyway, it was like, you know, it's funny that 
there was it maybe we're going to see it from domestic women's teams especially teams like tipco that are going all in on doing gravel and realizing that it's a huge you know dna is another one like they're getting huge benefits from getting their riders in these events and getting attention and it makes sense and so i don't know i guess it would be kind of funny if like a kabush made this point it's like it might not be the world tour people that are doing all of the things that you don't like and and i i don't want to put this on the same as like guys being jerks but you know uh if you have a team and no one what are we supposed to do not oh, work yeah. as a team yeah you know and then team well, 2024 i forgot about that one on the women's side as well so or or is it more and I, I the most famous example of this of a team is was when like lance armstrong showed up to leadville you know and and brought his whole team with him and it was like the fastest leadville out there and then people were like that's not what we do here so i i think it's like is 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 this what we do here i mean and and we talked about everything else about this race and is it just going to evolve into or devolve into world tour racing where you're going to have full complement of teams out there just you know with the four four or five guys sacrificing themselves off the front hey they may not even finish the 200 but it's okay because their team leader did well, I, you know, it's interesting uh, to bring a little bit of a, a media pit lens to it. We've seen where uh, our bigger publications are not covering just random local gravel races. Like, you know, you look at like, say, the the pro mountain bike series, USA Crits, like stuff that are established professional series that can't get the level of coverage that like Gravel Locos is getting. Um, and I think it will. I mean, I think it's almost criminal. If you're running a team and you don't have a gravel team, like, why are you running it? I mean... To me, it's a no-brainer. It's where all the attention is. You're literally, you can, you know, you can send, you can get like cycling news, you can get cycling tips, you can get Velo news to cover local races if you have three people they've heard of who show up and they do post-race interviews and it's more comprehensive than like, you know, what the the Pro XCT mountain bike series got down in in Fayetteville. Like that got like results, (laughs) you know, for the whole weekend. And here's like day of race write-up. And so... Yeah, I mean, I would not be surprised if we're going to see this continued attention and focus and all of the energy of American racing going to that. Like, if I'm a team director, I have a gravel team. Absolutely. They might be my best riders. It might not just be like, hey, you know, you're doing this for fun. Like, I'll send my hitters. Like, go win a race. Go get, you know, there'll be more attention for, for my team than we'll get for winning, you know, 15 USA crits or something. Yeah. Should we talk about the favorites for the... For now, premier event at Unbound Gravel, the 200 miler. Yeah, let's do it. So I, I want to kick this off. I, I think the best way, Amanda. We did it. There were doubts. Amity Rockwell is back. Uh, I don't know. And I think it's because of us. <laughs> oh yeah. Um. Yeah. I- do you remember? We willed this into existence. We we willed this. We made it happen. That's true, but I don't I don't know if she's back for. I don't know if I would. Put, maybe I would put her on my favorites list. I would have put her on my favorites list had she done a little bit better at the grasshopper event. But um, yeah, I just wrote down my two favorites. I'm trying I'm trying to pick a third, but Becca is definitely a, my my underdog for the win but because she's a noob she could potentially make a mistake that could cost it for her 
Um, and I would also give Mariah Wilson a nod as somebody who could potentially do very well here. Um, she obviously knows how to suffer. And for my third pick, I, I don't know. I would go with somebody who's done this event before, like a Casey Armstrong, who's failed, quote-unquote, a couple times in not getting to um, the podium or winning necessarily. But because of that, she has that experience and has learned from those mistakes. And I could see somebody like Casey pulling it off, um, surprisingly. And, yeah, some of the roadies could, could throw a wrench into the mix, but... Um, yeah, I expected more from Jess Sarah in Gravel Locos, and so she's not she's not maybe as high of form as I expected. Um, but yeah, that's my my quick overview of the women's field. Bill, I have to say, like, and Amanda, you are like the number one. Love your support of the bulletin, the CX Airs bulletin. We appreciate it. All the love you get us. We love overanalyzing yes. small data sets. We did that before Worlds. We got a lot of a lot of stuff wrong. I love that you're just jumping in. We you know, and we've only had one race. Like we don't know where anyone is, save like maybe where there's Zwift Fitness is or whatever. Oh, we know. Oh, we know. There is Strava. <laughs> oh, okay. So, all right. Well, I like this. So it's uh, so here's an interesting one that I think I was thinking about. You know, my list. Um, I think Olivia Dillon, uh, she she has uh, some unfinished business. I think uh, if you remember, she was going to win in 2019 by a lot until she flatted like 16 times in the last like 50 or so miles of the race. So I know that she was super unhappy <laughs> about that finish, obviously. So I think she's going to be bouncing back with uh, something to prove. And yeah, I think uh, I think her girl Becca. Uh, you know, I think she showed how strong she was at uh, Oregon Trail. Uh, she uh, she smashed our girl Claire Hansinger out at a race in Oregon. She won that, so she has a gravel victory under her belt here this season. Uh, and yeah, it just strikes me as one of those riders who's coming in. Um, you know, might not be. Although I will say, like she did build her 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 profile quite a bit with her vlogs and stuff. I think she had a very successful cyclocross season when it comes to like uh, building popularity. So I don't think she'll be able to sneak up quite as well on uh, on people. You know, the vlog bump people people have seen the vlog. Uh, they've heard of her. So <laughs> um, who else? Uh, another rider uh, that I think had a really i mean I, i'm not going to call it quiet but you know, allison tetrick finished second in in 2019 uh so i wouldn't be surprised to see her continue her her podium you know quest that she seems to be on every year yes definitely um the triathletes registered heather jackson and angela nath are both very good at going hard for very long times so I think that they will be some underdogs to keep an eye on. And especially like if you're in that field and you don't know who they are or what they're wearing, they could potentially slide under the radar. Um, just think that there's some people going out too hard in the beginning and then you'll just never see them again. <laughs> so there's that. Um, I will say for Becca Faringer, if she listens to this, I will give an olive branch and she, she wants some inside knowledge i do i would like to see becca do well i think she has the potential to do it and there's like a few probably key pieces of um tips and advice i could give her to do well at the 200 
for other cyclocross racers in that, Caroline Desendorf and Regina Leg are also registered. So that could be a fun CX angle to this event. Those are three racers that could probably do very well as well. You said Olive Branch. Do you have beef with Becca? No, I just, no, I'm just, no, I just... <laughs> Well, I'm just kind of curious. I I was like, were you you just revealing that there's beef? Uh, uh, Would it be more like CX solidarity? Yes. Anyway, you're seeing how it's spelled out. It it works better spelling than it does trying to say it. Yes, exactly. Yes, I do. I would like to see her do well. Are you surprised that uh, we had a podium finisher, a small podium, real podium finisher, Sarah Max? She's not not on the start list. It was an interesting omission when I was going through. Um, And I I, I saw like Becca was actually, I think Becca was out riding with her as of recently. So I wonder if that's just a deferral. If um, I mean, I think I'm pretty sure she has some young kids. So maybe it's like a family thing. It's been a very Mm -hmm. stressful, (laughs) you know, 14 months. If you're in that situation, I'm sure that focusing on training has been uh, definitely a challenge if you, you know, are raising kids uh, during the last year or so. I'd uh, be interested to hear, hopefully to see her back. I mean, she was our rookie of the year uh, for the Grodies in 2019. So, um, I mean, I guess that opens up a podium spot, but at the same time, you know, with what she accomplished, would love to see her, her back at it. Yeah, no, no Sarah Max and no Sarah Sturm. I would love to see Sarah Sturm do Unbound someday, but I guess this is not the year. Um, but yeah, the women's field stacked as per usual. Uh, we probably admitted the people who are going to be the top three, but let us know who you think is going to do well in this. And yeah, like like I said, it's probably going to be somebody with a byline that ends up winning this thing, <laughs> just like in Zach's, in Zach's previews at CX Magazine. So yeah, see the women's field. I'm excited to see what shakes out just because it's so deep this year. Yeah. Well, and uh, if we're going to do this, we're going to be comprehensive here. Uh, we definitely got to give a shout out to our girl Kai Takashita. Uh, just one of, you know, the star. I don't know. I love, if you haven't met Kai, go talk to her. She's like the nicest person ever. Um, it was super awesome. I got to see her racing cyclocross <laughs> uh, in the fall of 2019 down in Chicago. So it was really awesome to see. Interesting to, to you know, we come across each other in gravel and then to see her at cyclocross races. And I think, did she finish fourth? I think she got up to fourth. So she's looking for that elusive podium finish. I think she's had a fourth and a fifth or something like that. Two very legit results. And uh, Amanda, she finished the uh, successor. We I would probably get in trouble oh, yeah. if I called it the successor to Trans Iowa, but it's the long race in Iowa mm-hmm. with winds and rocks. Mm-hmm. So. I don't know. Maybe she's a th- maybe she's a threat for for you for the XL if you do. Ah, uh, she yeah. is. Yeah, maybe. Uh, yeah, I think this might be her third or fourth uh, two hundred. So you never know. After five, she might jump in it. The men. Uh, yes. We saw. I you know I think that uh, that was definitely interesting in in twenty nineteen. We're talking about kind of like under the radar riders, uh, and despite everything he accomplished. Uh, when Colin Strickland went off the front with a group of hitters uh, that were in that group, they said, "Ha, huh, yeah, that's 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 cool." And uh, you know, when they saw him again, they saw him again in Emporia because uh, he won the race. Amanda, do you think that Colin Strickland is going to be able to pull off that move again this year? 
I do not. And to go back to the Kabush complaint, if you see Colin Strickland's, one of his checkpoints in 2019, I I believe it's on the EF uh, YouTube video, he doesn't have a plan. He's like in the back of somebody's car, takes him a while to find it. He's like fumbling around for stuff, filling a bladder, like taking forever. And he cannot get away with that this year. So I hope he actually gets his stuff together this time and realizes that there is a race in all the checkpoints and that he better be ready to just like grab a backpack and go because he can't do what he did last time. So uh, Lawrence Tendam beat him, I think by 40 seconds, but reading the story, it sounded like Lawrence Tendam had a mechanical and he was riding in the same gear for the end. So we don't necessarily know how that went down. Uh, Are you, are you sold? Are you sold on Lawrence Ten Dam uh, coming over and and knocking Colin off his perch? Because I look at it like I think it's Colin the way he won the dominance of you know going solo for a hundred miles. I think it's I think he's the man to beat. I mean I think like you know it's Colin Strickland in my book is the favorite uh, until proven otherwise. Yeah, I agree. I I would. I am very curious to see how Stetna does and lines up with these gentlemen because I do believe he's come with the gravel villain persona in the past year. And Tendam has kind of come in as like the new shiny toy that everybody's going to have their eye on. But, I mean, Stetna got second in 2019. That still always surprises me. You know, you think Lachlan, you think Alex Howes, these the bigger stories that revolved around the, that event. But Stetna could be a sleeper very high finish and could give somebody like Tendam a run for his money uh, from the experience department. So, yeah, but yeah, Colin is still the man to beat. I would say that. Amanda, why yes. is why is why is Peter Stetna the, the? I didn't know we had a gravel villain. Why is he the <laughs> vill? We have a gravel villain. I'm excited. I'm like, I am so stoked that we have a villain. Uh, I, you know, I I I don't know. I the mustache. I don't know he looks the part. Uh, I see him. You know, I follow him on social. Like, why why is Peter Stetna? Why why is he the vill? Why don't <laughs> I like Peter Stetna? And why do I want to see him go down? I think, unfortunately for him, it's because we want a villain. And I think we are looking for that as part of the problem. And he just kind of slightly fits into it per- just perfectly. Um, and yeah, I, I'm i friendly with him. We've talked on the phone and, and gone over stuff. And um, I've, I've said to him before to his face that he's the new kid on the block and he kind of has to get in line every once in a while. So I think he's still learning the ropes and learning how to do this privateer gravel thing, but he's, he's figuring it out. Maybe he will win the hearts of many. Um, but for now he is probably trying to dig himself out of the villain persona or run with it. I don't know. We kind of need it. Maybe he'll, he'll just embrace it. How about that? <laughs> I think, I mean, I think gravel more so than anything fits that bill because it is kind of, and I could be wrong, but like there's kind of that privateer base. So we have like the, you know, uh, Kabush is like the agent provocateur, provocateur, and you know Ted King is a little, I'm not gonna say larger than life, but Ted King is a huge personality who really just yeah. engage. Like you're like you're kind of like you know you like that. It just seems like gravel. The style fits the having personalities. Uh, it just seems like you know just being a, a robotic, methodical race machine or something is not necessarily the gravel style i mean you could you can do that if you want but like i don't know it just seems like there's a bigger opening to find your way to be a different kind of personality and it seems like he could he could find a way to to embrace that without 
you know, cause I don't think per se he's necessarily been doing anything that would be like warrant villain status, but like, <laughs> I don't know. He's like the privateer. He's doing his thing. You know, he's just like, he's like the first one to do it. I don't know. He's just got that. Yeah. A little bit of vibe. I think that he could, he could spin it. He could do WWE style and, and spin it to his benefit. But isn't one of his problems, at least in Unbound, if he wants to play the villain card, maybe like the global gravel calendar that he can come ahead as, 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 as this villainous character in, in the way that, in a, in a good hearted, good natured way. But Zach, we have people in this field who could just be real villains. Mm. <laughs> As far as, you know, we talk about, you know, jokingly uh, in Cyclocross and Rose Slow Rides love doing the anybody but, you know, it was like anybody but Wowed or anybody but Valverde. Is there a anybody but Quinn Simmons contingent out there? I think so. I mean, I, he's <laughs> young man. <laughs> I mean, the young man had a, he had a rough year. Uh, and so... I think he'll be in contention, though. I mean, I think it's a very real possibility that Quinn Simmons, I mean, the dude is one of the most talented bike racers to come through America. I mean, I'm not going to. I've gotten in trouble for putting a time period on this. So I would say in recent memory, Quinn Simmons is one of the most talented bike racers that we've seen come out of uh, the United States of America. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that there's a substantial contingent uh, given why people don't like him and that we know that like, you know, there's been like gravel is like the sport of inclusivity and like, you know, events, the name, they changed the name to be inclusive to, to you know, it, it, it says inclusivity. So yes, I, I think that uh, there will be a ABQ not to be confused with Albuquerque. <laughs> okay. Just want to put that out uh, there. Go okay. on with your favorite. Yeah. Oh, wait, one last, <laughs> one last thing while I'm shoehorning things in. We were talking about Lawrence Tendam and 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 being being a, a, a favorite and you know him coming over from this European racing doing a lot of these just premier Vuelta Tour de France the biggest races in the world yet he said that winning the what is it Locos what was the name of the race Gravel Locos Gravel Locos where he he won a boot uh-huh. right that and he said that it was the greatest trophy that he's ever won was this this boot with a texas flag on it and we're already talking about the marketing of gravel and how it's you know sponsors are after it isn't this just can't ug just take this and run with it and have the ug trophy and just outdo gravel locos by having an ug boot you could get tom brady could fly him in he could present the ug to the to the winner it's right there. It's it's in the name. It is just cross promotion to die for. I'll take my ten percent. You guys can get on with the rest of the favorites. <laughs> this is this is what I I, I love. This what I yes, hundred yes. percent. I love what the I love what the wide angle podium just brings to the the world of cycling trophies and prizes. Uh, on a more serious note. Uh, so man, we got a couple, you know, so we saw, we've got Trek Segafredo, we've got Movistar. So young, uh, Ginge, I believe Mateo Jorgensen, um, mm-hmm. will be racing. So no EF though. It was kind of an interesting omission, I guess, you know, seeing after they made the big splash of doing the alternative calendar, uh, whatever. Are you surprised that they're not, are you surprised that EF is not back? 
I am, and maybe they will just be a surprise entry, kind of like their EF aid station was in 2019. Who knows, maybe they'll just show up on the starting line the morning of and throw a wrench into all of this. But yeah, it could be a sponsor thing, or I don't know how much of their dirt plan got shifted around for... um, 2021 but unfortunately i would like to know from the slow ride podcast um any sort of mateo jorgensen tidbits tidbits because all i know is that he's a movie star writer but is he good is he a threat can you beat Tendam? i don't know so please tell me because if if i get the sleeper info and i say mateo's gonna win and he wins i will look like i know it all so please let me know if he's finished 16th a bunch of times and maybe he just ends up there we'll see <laughs> Amanda, uh, predicting the future uh, puts you mm-hmm. on the. I'm just. I'm not going to say put you on the spot, but uh, so the last couple of years, I know I covered. So two years ago, uh, it was a group. It kind of got whittled down, and then ended up being with Ted and Josh Barry off the front. Uh, in 2019, we had a group of about 10, and then Colin did the thing, and it kind of broke apart. You know, knowing that is the quality of the the riders increase or whatever. You know, how are you how are you feeling this one playing out? I'm trying to like imagine in my mind like the stories that we can you know the narrative, the story of how those how the can't do it as intellectual property of Cosmo Catalano. How the event was decided, <laughs> <laughs> how it was kind of one. <laughs> Um, careful, yeah, careful! I, you're you're uh, you're you're, you're bordering on Cosmo Catalano okay. uh, uh, intellectual property there. Got it. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it. The way that Kansas plays out, and we hypothesized this in 2019, was it's going to be a road race, and it's going to come down to the finish, and they're going to stay together forever. And there's all these big names, and I think the same could be potentially said for this year. But we all learned our lesson in 2019 that Kansas is going to throw something, some sort of wrench into that plan, and it's not going to end up that way. One thing I also don't know about this year because I haven't looked at the athlete guide for the 200 is how the checkpoints work. And so, if there's a 50, 100, 150, like there has been in the past. Oh, so there's two, just like in 2019. It's. Okay, uh, so. I think it actually is the. So they. I. Th- I think if I remember correctly, they usually run the course twice, and I'm pretty sure it's like yeah. the exact same course as 2019 going north. Okay. okay. So then that being said, the the way that those two checkpoints are going to work uh, will be very similar to 2019. So more time in between. Um, less time at the checkpoints for things to regroup and leave a checkpoint together. So there's more room to blow up out on the road and do whatever. So I think it'll be similar to 2019. There will just be a little bit more people. So by the time it ended up at 10 in 2019, maybe there's 20, you know, it's just going to be a little bit bigger of a group for a little bit longer. And then it'll just start dwindling down from there. So in the last 50 miles, I assume things are going to be spread out very similarly to 2019, where there are groups of one onesie twosies along the road, and the strongest man, craziest man will probably win in the men's field. Sweet. I'm excited. Who do you think is going to win? It's an excellent question. Uh, I mean, I, I think I have to, I have to pick Colin again. I just, yeah. You know, I've seen I've seen the man race. Uh, he's the man to beat. Uh, he, you know, he has the Red Bull highly super sleek produced video bump going for him. I mean, saw he was doing some crazy, 
jumping and weights and I don't know. I uh, just I'm sold. The the Red Bull media house. Um, I don't know. I mean, in all seriousness, I mean, I think like he has a skill set that suits itself to winning this race. Like he's a powerhouse yeah. who can ride his bike for a long period of time. And, um, you know, I, I mean, he's like, like Colin is you like Colin could like play point guard in, he could have played point guard in like the NCAA basketball. He could have been a star soccer player. Like he is an athlete, like, and you know, this kind of race, I think, favors that you know, over being a scrawny cyclist or whatever. I mean, endurance and. Yeah, I think that's a good pick. I when I look at this list, it's hard to see any sort of alliances forming like Lachlan and Alex that they stayed together. They helped each other out, you know. But when you go through this, like, yeah, Ian Boswell and Colin Strickland both ride for Wahoo and they did that cool video with Stetna. But like when they're out there, is that is that going to be a thing? You know, I don't know how people will go all for one, one for all, or decide like, hey, we should work together and do this thing and try and get away. It's going to be very, very interesting. Also, Travis McCabe, Crit Beef, crossed over to Criterium Nation there. Who knows how he's going to throw down? <laughs> true true uh, Crit Beef with him doing it as well. There are people in my corner of the world where the Armed Forces Classic is taking place on that same uh, weekend who are very upset that he has decided to race a gravel race instead of show up and and uh, throw down in a in the first potential crit beef matchup oh he's hiding from crit beef oh. maybe so <laughs> Lancey pants was like i think he ended up uh racing in 2019, because Cannondale got the sponsor exemption, like Gage Check was also there, and I was like, "What are you guys doing here?" I did not see you on the start list, and you did not make my extensive 38 person preview. Of this race. <laughs> but what if? I mean, what if Legion is just like sending Lance in their stead? I, I could see Lance showing up and then being like, "All right, look, this is the best we're going to get. Here's Legion. Here's McCabe. Lance, you're the stand-in." Um, I would love. You know what, though. Next year, I would love to see the Williams and the, the Williams brothers can do it. I mean, I, you know, seeing what, uh, what Corey did on like Zwift and some of their Strava rides and stuff like I, I want to see Legion. That would be dope to see Legion in 2022 do UG. I, I'm going to make a Rob Kelly's day and ask you, will that change anything or will that change <laughs> nothing? <laughs> everything because they'll do the hundred and red bull will do coverage of the hundred (laughs) (laughs) i i I have one more here's here's my i'm gonna actually make a pick here's my dark horse the man who has done everything and sort of been a a a thorn in bike racing side for years the american timo rouge tim rug on the on the starting list you never know you never know what a tim rug is going to do when he enters a bike race can you give me a little backstory on him? Uh, well, I started out as a mid-Atlantic racer and then became a really good road racer and at a certain point was dropped by his team yet still got, it was still on the roster, got an exemption to do the pro criterium nationals, which is the whole, the whole crit beef is, is if you yeah, don't know yeah. what crit beef is, go listen to criterium nation yeah. Uh, they'll explain it all over there. But he was able to get into that race that he wasn't supposed to be able to because of when his team dropped him as a privateer. And he just, for the first half of the race, was like off the front and just screwing everything up. 
and it was just amazing. And then he started, uh, I mean, he was doing all these uh, African races and just sort of all over the world doing crazy stuff and is just hmm. super talented bike racer, but just always a, a bit of a, um, I, I guess, a free will, you know, just, just a free spirit and just kind of does his own thing. But, you know, super talented, you never know. You never know what you're getting when Tim Rugg's in a race. Fascinating. He's got the life points. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I, I, it's good to be back, Amanda, Bill. It's good to be yes. back in the uh, Grodio Studios, uh, talking Gerbil. It's super exciting uh, the, with the races that are in front of us, uh, including this one. Amanda, I'm excited to to get the full rundown of the experience uh, from you next time we we hop into the studios of how Ugg went for 350 yeah hopefully i see you there yeah you're gonna be at the finish uh, i hope so i hope my guys are, you know i mean i got i got i think five dudes that i've got to you know be hanging out with the cooler and dishing out dishing out their musette bags i don't know what their plans are uh you know for doing their aid stations but yeah i'll be coming back hopefully i'll make it back by the time you finish so nice very cool well that was fun um i think people should send us their picks for this wild card event one thing i love about gravel is it is such a wild card and we're picking from people from all different disciplines and going through and saying what if and rolling the dice so i'm fascinated to see what everybody else thinks as well yeah for sure you can uh follow us at rodeo on twitter and uh i have no idea did we have an email address maybe maybe <laughs> we'll, we'll look it up <laughs> I think we did but I don't know if I checked it alright see you next time <laughs> <laughs> the slow ride podcast three idiots who are usually wrong the slow ride podcast the titanium of podcasts the slow ride podcast it's like if David Vanderpool had a podcast the slow ride podcast the Zwift Racing of Podcasts. The Slow Ride Podcast. Find the real advice. The Slow Ride Podcast. The Arrow Helmet of Podcasts. The Slow Ride Podcast. Sport leader coming through. The Slow Ride Podcast. When's Lance gonna sue us? The Slow Ride Podcast. The experts in French cycling. The Slow Ride Podcast. Official fan experience zone on Facebook. The Slow Ride Podcast. The gravel bike of podcasts. The Slow Ride Podcast. Both vertically and horizontally compliant. The Slow Ride Podcast. New episodes every Tuesday.